0: last sunday my father turned 100 years old (laughs) he lives at home alone with very little help but the va does come in once a week Um, he's independent he can't hear but he loves family he's very social And he has always maintained his dry sense of humor. And so at one of his parties last weekend, he jokingly told our family, well, my first memory was of a man in a white coat putting drops in my eyes. (laughs) We were like, yeah, right. (laughs) We don't think so. But this morning, I have a question for you. Do you remember your baptism? And for those of you who were baptized as infants, I'll say, probably not. (laughs) Um, Because our Reformed tradition um, embraces infant baptism and, of course, also um, believer's baptism. But baptism is the first sacrament that we experience, really, where the first words of grace are spoken over us by the church. And baptism is, it's a sacrament, and so it's an outward sign of an invisible grace. Baptism is a mystery. It's an outward sign of water cleansing us. And the inward and the spiritual grace in baptism is union with Christ in his death and his resurrection through baptism we are born into God's family and we are claimed by Christ to be his own we receive new life by the Holy Spirit and we are forgiven our sins and so today In this first Sunday of Lent, our scripture is in Luke 4, where Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. But before we read it, I want us to understand what has just happened in Luke 3. In Luke 3, Jesus had just been commissioned for his messianic ministry. And that commissioning occurred through his baptism. And as a human being, if you think about it, and the scripture tells us that Jesus was baptized along with many other people. Jesus was baptized with average Joes, just like you and me. And Luke reports this in chapter 3. And as Jesus was praying... Heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love, and with you, I am well pleased. Isn't that remarkable? Luke had already recorded Jesus' birth and his genealogy, and John the Baptist having prepared the way for Jesus and now Jesus shows up as an adult. And the very next verse says, Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. Do you realize that at the moment of his baptism that Jesus hadn't done much of anything impressive publicly? He hadn't performed any miracles He hasn't healed anyone. He hasn't been tempted yet. He hasn't been crucified. He hasn't been resurrected. The one who is the son of God spent decades in obscurity and ordinariness, writes Tish Harrison Warren in the Liturgy of the Ordinary. Jesus emerges from the water a commoner and suddenly the Spirit of God shows up and the deep ministry of mystery of the universe reverberates through the air, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And following his baptism, Jesus is led into the wilderness by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and then into public ministry but he is sent with the knowledge that he is the Father's beloved Son. And that is Jesus's identity. And now we pick up with our scripture for today, which is Luke four, one through 13. And before we read it, let's pray. And God, we have just sung our prayer. But we pray for your Holy Spirit to come and shine the truth of your word on our hearts. We ask today that you would open our eyes and help us to see Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. And so, um, Mike, would you please show the slide of the, the picture of Jesus being tested in the wilderness. And now let's read the scripture. Would you read it with me? Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, Man shall not live on bread alone. And the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want. If you worship me, it will all be yours." And Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. This is the word of the Lord. What do the temptations of Jesus have to do with Lent? Why are Jesus' temptations always the Gospel story for the first Sunday of Lent? Christ's experience in the wilderness serves as an example for us, for us as followers of Jesus, and we get to see how jesus dealt with sin as a human being and how through christ's power we too can overcome temptation and we know that from hebrews two eighteen. and because i know that you are mature believers followers of christ i'm going to dig even a little deeper the spirit led jesus into the wilderness to be tempted because God wanted his son and his followers to understand the Lord's messianic mission clearly. That Christ had not come to earth as Israel's conquering king, rather he had come as a suffering servant. Jesus was tempted in every way and yet he did not sin. He remained sinless. Hebrews 4.15. And as we look at the temptations that Jesus faced, there are three things to watch for. What were the three patterns of sin that Jesus was tempted by? How are they common to all humanity? And how does Jesus respond to each temptation? Jesus was hungry. He hadn't eaten for 40 days and for us that would be from today through April the 6th. And he's tempted. He was challenged to turn stones into bread and Jesus replied that we cannot live by bread alone but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And here he was quoting Deuteronomy 8.3. The temptation involved the lust of the flesh. But Jesus would not sin, and he would trust the Father's provision. He would not be self-sufficient. He would be in communion with the Father, in meditation and in prayer, seeking wisdom to understand his mission that is what he was doing in the wilderness and aren't we as Americans tempted to provide for ourselves not trusting God the Word of God is our sword and faith in in that word is our shield we should be mighty in the scriptures And we should go forth in that might. And in our spiritual warfare, we know what is written. And we can learn from the word. And we can use the word as a weapon against the devil. Jesus chose to be obedient to his identity as the beloved son. And he chose to be obedient to the mission that God had set before him. And then we see the devil at work again. Next, Satan took Jesus on a, to a high place, and he wanted Jesus to think that he could give Jesus all the kingdoms of the world with all their power and all their riches and all their wealth and with all authority. It will be yours if you worship me. Wealth and recognition, all of this, will be yours. And he demand, he demanded homage, and he demanded adoration of Jesus. And Jesus was appalled, and he rebuked Satan, and he said, get behind me, Satan. And he quoted Deuteronomy 6, 13. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And what a great reminder for us to do the same. Isn't worshiping the Lord our God, isn't not worshiping the Lord our God and not serving him only the basis for our sins? Don't we have idols that we worship above God? Idols of pride and wealth and reputation, idols of significance and whatever comes to your mind. But D. Martin Lloyd-Jones says that an idol is anything in our lives that occupies the place that should be occupied by God alone. During Lent, don't we have the wonderful opportunity to unmask our idols and to name them and to repent of them. Think back to 2020 when we were all together in the wilderness. We were in the COVID wilderness. So we were sent into the wilderness by COVID, And um, like Jesus, we were isolated there. Do we have a meme for 2020? (laughs) Nope, (laughs) it's okay, it's okay. So we were lonely, there we go, (laughs) we were lonely. (laughs) We're afraid of not having enough food to eat. And we feared the unknown, and weren't we tempted to complain? But there were some gifts in COVID. Um, some may argue with me <laughs> afterward. Uh, Mommies at home <laughs> trying to work. Um, but to think of the gift of the family togetherness. And didn't our idols come to light as soon as COVID started? Our idols of comfort, our idols of convenience? What additional items, idols surfaced for you during COVID? And as a result of their being revealed, how did your priorities change? And have they remained intact? The third temptation is that Jesus was taunted by Satan to throw himself from the pinnacle of the temple in Jerusalem and to have angels catch him. The devil was tempting him to seek for a new proof of his being the Son of God, as if that which God had already given him by his voice from heaven, and the descent of the dove upon him weren't enough. Jesus responded with scripture. Deuteronomy 6.16, Do not put the Lord your God to the test as you did at Massa. Don't put your Lord, the Lord, your God, to the test by desiring a sign of proof of what he's already told you. Jesus reminds us that we should not tempt God. When we tempt God, we're asking him to prove himself to us. And when the devil was finished, his temptations ended. And how did this combat end? Our victorious Redeemer kept His ground, and He came off a conqueror. And not only, not only for Himself only, but also for us, for you and for me. Christ had given the devil The opportunity to say and do all that he would against him. (laughs) He let him try all all of his force. And yet Christ defeated him. Did Christ suffer being tempted until all of the temptation had ended? Matthew Henry, the commentator, writes, And must not, we expect also, to pass all our trials? To go through the hour of suffering assigned us? Jesus, who was caused to go into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, was seeking to embrace His identity as God's beloved Son, He was seeking to allow the rest of his life, his words, his relationships, his love, and even a painful and unjust death on the cross to come from that identity as God's beloved son. He was cast into the wilderness, or rather led into the wilderness, to prepare for the great work that he had before him, the work for which he had come to earth to live among us. Did he go to a retreat center? No. Did he go to a spa? No. He went alone into the wilderness, the dusty, hot wilderness, with wild beasts, sand, He was alone, no food, no water for 40 days. And for 40 days, he fasted and prayed. And yes, it was a rigorous and a lonely time. And it was a time in which most of us would have turned back, given up from fear or from doubt or uh, any number of reasons. I know I would have. But Jesus did not. Jesus denied Satan's three temptations, and then he told him to go away, and the devil fled. Jesus is ready, and he comes out of the wilderness proclaiming the battle is won. The reign of God has begun, and yet another deep mystery of the universe reverberates through the air. 40 days and 40 nights Jesus suffered and prayed in the desert and this is why we have Lent does anyone see a pattern of his 40 days in the desert and our 40 days of Lent here (coughs) Again, during those 40 days, Jesus was, out, was without food and water, tempted by Satan to prove he was the Son of God. And it becomes clear to us that even though Jesus was baptized, he and we don't get a, a card that says that we get out of suffering. We don't get one of those upon being baptized, nor do we get out of being tempted to sin. But our baptism is a gift, and our baptism equips us both for the realities of the the wilderness and the work of the joyful proclamation at the resurrection. You see, sorrow and joy go hand in hand, don't they? And through prayer and through the word of God, the grace of God, we too will get through it. Because God's job is to make beauty from ashes. The Reverend Ray Mueller is an Episcopal priest and she writes this about Lent that if we are intentionally following Jesus that we should make our time make lent a time of fasting, reflection, penitence, searching and prayer. And during our 40 days of lent, we have the opportunity to prepare ourselves for the jubilation of the resurrection of Christ on Easter morning. But you know what? In preparation, there's there are three things that we need to recognize. And the first one is our sinful nature. Have you ever read Romans 7? Don't ever read Romans 7 without also reading Romans 8. (laughs) But Romans 7 um, shows us the the realization of what sin does. And Paul says the things that I would do, I can't do, the things I wouldn't do, that I do. So in in plain English, that's called a mess. And Paul is saying, you don't wanna live like that. And what he's talking about is the process of growth in Christ, and he comes to the place where he says, I am sick of this stuff. I am sick of this stuff that's in my body, that's in my members, I am so sick of it that I am going to say that that is not me, it will not be me. By the grace of God, I will not have it be me. What is it that you need God to change in your life during Lent? Where do you need him to work the most? The second thing that we need to recognize is that our flesh is naturally weak, but we have a God who will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians ten thirteen that he will provide a way out. Now, sometimes God pulls off a miracle, a solution that we would never have thought of When has he done that for you in your lifetime? Were you in the wilderness at the time? I've certainly been there. I've been on my face before God. And watch God do remarkable things in answer to prayer. The third thing we need to recognize is that we have a role to play in our relationship with Christ. And Jesus invites us to practice the very same things that he practiced, that he modeled for us to become like him and to grow in our relationship with him. And we get to have skin in the game. And as Dallas Willard is fond of writing, grace is opposed to earning. Grace is not opposed to effort. And so here are efforts that we can make To draw near to Jesus during Lent. There are three. Fasting, knowing the Bible, and praying. They're all things Jesus did. He did them in the wilderness. And so for Lent, how about 40 days in which we try out fasting? Skipping breakfast or skipping breakfast or lunch for two days a week. Or drinking water and juice, perhaps only water and juice, for two or three days. What are the benefits of fasting? Some of the benefits are that our sense of entitlement is is lessened. Some of the benefits are that we gain self-control, that our mind is on Jesus, and there is power when fasting is combined with prayer. We become, in fasting, less reliant on ourselves and more dependent upon God. How about 40 days where we open ourselves to God's word, that we memorize the verses with God's commands, with God's promises, with his grace? That's the weapon that Jesus used to fight the devil. Are you familiar with BibleGateway.com, www.BibleGateway.com? Why not start the day with the verse of the day? It's right there. It's free. <laughs> and how about 40 days of prayer, prayer that's just filled with gratitude and praise for, for the gift of Jesus Christ and what he came to do? Asking God to help us recognize when we're tempted so that we don't fall into sin. What about prayer to rely on God versus ourselves so that we bring him glory? James says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And lastly, for Lent, and this is not on the screen, as we traverse the wilderness of Lent, how about we remember our baptism? And how about we remember our identity as the beloved sons and daughters of God when we awaken each and every day? To God be the glory. Amen.